Thank you, musicians. We appreciate you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2010. You probably remember the story. It's only nine years ago, almost 10. But uh, there was miners trapped into, in a mine in northern Chile, actually 33 of them. They were there for two and a half weeks. They, they were able to bore a hole down into wherever they were held, and they got a note back saying all 33 are alive, amen. So they were pretty excited about that. And so what they had to do is um, they had to drill down through 23,000 feet of solid rock to get to these guys. And what they did, first of all, is they, they bore three, four-inch holes to go all the way down, and that way they could drop the supplies they needed. And um, this happened in August, and they rescued them in October. <laughs> it's October, August 5th to mid-October, so you're talking two and a half months that they were down there, but so they had to feed them supplies. And uh, what they did was they dropped down the necessary supplies, and what they gave them was 33 mini Bibles, uh, along with the food, clother, clothing, oxygen, medical supplies, amen. It's just amazing that what they considered critical was the Word of God. And uh, that just kind of, um, kind of just caught my attention. I thought, that's pretty interesting, amen, that um, no matter what else you needed for supply, you know, to keep yourself alive, uh, they felt that the Bible was just as important as oxygen or food or water or medical help, amen. And so I want to look... Um, at this thought this morning out of the Word of God, about the Word of God. Psalms 119 says, 98 to 100, you, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. Amen. So, time in the Word of God. Um, is priceless. It's, it's, um, it will give you things that you will not find anywhere else. Give you guidance. It will give you wisdom from God himself, the author of wisdom. It'll equip you. And that's what it's meant to do. It's equip you. The word of God is meant to equip you for the journey of life. Amen. Because one day we're going to be in heaven. We ain't going to need the word of God. We're gonna, we, God is the word of God. I know it's kind of a weird concept. But we will have God's word, God himself, with us for eternity. But now we don't have him with us in that sense, right, in the physical sense. But we do have his word. And it's just amazing. You can read up on it yourself how the word has survived the ups and downs of centuries of attack, still being attacked today. I just read another article there destroying Bibles someplace in China. And, you know, just I read about this stuff all the time, just little blurps that come through. And, you know, obviously we've taken Bibles out of schools because Bibles are, are um, they're dangerous, you know, how that goes. Uh, and we won't go into detail there. But um, I tell you, it's, the, the Word of God is truth. And truth is not on the surface. It's something that has to be mined Bible is very deep. Sometimes when I look at the Bible, it's, it's so simple, and then all of a sudden it's so complex. It's just, it just, it, I, 
I haven't even came to the edge of it yet. It's just I just keep reading it and keep reading it, amen, and it's still a wonderful book. It's the only book that you can read over and over and over and over and over and over again and still have a need to read it over again and never feel like you just read, I know all this. It's like, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I know the plot of everything. It's like there's something in there of a hunger that wants to know God more. And it's not only just that, I realize that the word of God is supernatural. And that although it's not just me knowing all the facts and the figures and all the neat little things that you can find in the Bible, did you know that this means that? And did you know that that means, yeah. And, you know, and connect all these things, that's wonderful. But, you know, I know that at the same time that I'm reading it, the Bible's reading me. I know at the same time that I'm reading it, the Bible is putting something in here that I can't even tell that it's putting in there, if you know what I'm saying. It's intrinsic that God is doing something in me for the long haul. He is helping me for the long haul, amen. And so there's really a need that this book becomes a habit, that this book becomes the habit of your life. And so I want to look this morning at God's word out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there's more going on than just Bible knowledge. Okay, it's more than going on than can you name, you know, the 12 apostles or can you name the 12 tribes and all this kind of stuff. There's more going on here. There's an equipping that's going on. I want to consider a few things this morning. First of all, I want to look at guidance. There's a Peanuts karmic strip. If you know anything about Peanuts, Peppermint Patty uh, comes to grip with this shocking truth because uh, when she's in school, she's always turning to Marcia to get answers, right? And so Marcia one day just says, stop asking for answers. She says, I don't have all the answers. Sometimes I just guess. And so Peppermint Patty goes, you mean you've been giving me all these answers and you've just guessed at them? And she's all upset, you know. Because, you know, I'm asking for answers and you're giving me guesses, amen. But you know, uh, uh, the Word of God doesn't give you guesses this morning. The Word of God gives you rock-solid guidance. Whether you take it or not is up to you. And there's the stories endless of people that know what the Bible says and don't do it, okay? There's people even in this room, you know what the Bible says, but you don't do it either. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's fine. Because you're, you know what you're getting? You're just getting guesses. <laughs> You're thinking you're getting answers because you got Google, you know, and so we all got all the answers when we got Google. So you're just getting guesses because guidance comes from the one above. Amen. So we need guidance. Shepherds would guide their sheep with a staff, and many times this staff had to be seen over the shepherd's uh, shoulder if he would hold it. And... and um, that would reassure them of the shepherd's presence and his protection. But at night, when it was dark, well, they didn't see that, right? And so what the shepherd would have to do is take that same staff, and he would have to tap the ground. 
tap the ground and so the sheep would hear that and they would follow that. And so whether it was light or whether it was dark, possibly foggy, it doesn't matter, he would tap the ground and he would follow the sound knowing that the shepherd was right ahead. You know, God's word is a little bit like that very thought, amen. Sometimes we have the leading of scripture. It's right there in front of our face. Other times we have to listen to the spirit of God, amen, uh, who, who he speaks in the scriptures. It's not like God does anything outside of his word because word and God are inseparable. They're one and the same. And so, you know, this reassures us of God's love, his care, his guidance, his protection, amen. Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's exactly what it is. It's guidance for you and I so we know where we're going. We might not know where we're going way down the road, but it's, it's, not, it's not the headlights on a car shining. It's, it's a lamp. It's a lamp for the steps that are right out in front of us. That's all we need, amen, because God knows exactly where he's taking us and where he's guiding us to. But the point is that God's word is a guidance, amen, to you and I. As our text says, the word of God corrects. It gives us instructions how to live, how to order our lives, amen. It tells us what, uh, should be, uh, you know, what we should be living for, is what things we should avoid that can hinder our walk with God. So people say, well, the Bible's just about do's and don'ts. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm Isn't that what life's about? Do's and don'ts. When I was a little kid, my mother, I don't know why she told me this, is the worst thing she could have said. She said, never lick cold metal in the winter. I'm from New York, right? Niagara Falls. And so, yeah, of course, as a little boy, I'm growing up. And one day, there's a drain pipe. It's a metal drain pipe. I couldn't get it out of my head because I just couldn't understand how my tongue would stick to the drain pipe. I found out, amen, because when I walked away, there was a little skin mark on the, on the thing of my tongue. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing. She told me, don't lick the pipe. <laughs> and so there was, she gave me good guidance. Again, I'm not too sure why she said it in my mind, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I'm not going to blame my mom for my stupidity. <laughs> That's what we do. Don't we blame everybody else. You lick the pipe. Okay, okay. Amen. And so God has, there are do's and don'ts. Be amen. So because if you'll do, this is what will transpire. Blessing and God will help you and guide you and, and lead you where he wants you to go. There's don'ts because that can derail you or move you in the opposite direction or going the wrong way. Amen. So he equips us. He furnishes us with everything we need to make the journey of life. And the Bible's full of people and gives us great illustrations of people who do and people who don't. People who make great decisions, people who make wrong decisions. It's very candid, amen. So it helps us to look at this and say, listen, you are not going to outdo this. You're not going to overrun this thing. They're great men of God, great men that were used, men that had great wisdom and understanding, hallelujah. But if you don't live according to the word of God, it's not going to matter how smart you are. You're not going to get around this. You have to have the word of God and, and adhere to the word of God. There's always, see, there's always this need to be recalibrated. Amen. And that's how I look at it, amen. The world, the flesh, the devil, always constantly hit with lies and half-truths. And it's important that you and I be 
calibrate. And the Word of God has, a, has an ability to recalibrate us, constantly bringing us back to the truth. In the military, when we walked, worked on aircraft, and I've used this illustration before, everything we did, we had to torque with a torque wrench. And so every torque wrench had a 30, 60, 120 day, 90 day, whatever, depending on the, the size and different things of the torque wrench, always had to be turned in for recalibration. Because things happen. It's, it's in the elements. People drop things, and they're supposed to, when you drop it, you're supposed to get it recalibrated, but people don't get it recalibrated, you know. And so, and so they constantly had it on a rota that it always got turned in no matter what. Is it uncalibrated? We don't know. We're going to take it in and get it recalibrated. Because many times we don't know we're uncalibrated. There's something about the Word of God constantly coming into our lives that makes the tune up and makes sure things are right. Amen. You're always being, uh, 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 having truth brought before you. And that's exactly what happens. Because you know what's, what happens is if a wrench is not calibrated right, it might not tighten a bolt tight enough. You know anything about fighter aircraft? They vibrate. They go through time. They go through uh, the speed of sound. They sound barriers. They they vibrate like crazy. And so you can vibrate a, a bolt right out of a out of a, a, a piece of equipment, and nothing might be hurt. But that bolt now is not moving around, and that's how planes crash. Planes crash sometimes with a piece of metal this big. And being that I was part of the ejection system, many times that crash would be right in front of our shop. It would be sitting there. I don't know why, maybe because of the ejection system. Some got out, some did not. And so some pilots were killed because of a torque wrench, because it wasn't calibrated. And so what I'm talking about here is, is very critical. We need God's guidance on a constant basis, even though you might not be, quote, looking for guidance. Well, I know the word of God. I understand what I need to do. I know, but you don't understand your enemy. And little by little, he's trying to loosen things and loosen this and loosen that. And the vibrations of life, amen, set those things free. I'll tell you what, they'll take you down. There's something about the word of God that brings a calibration to our lives. It's more than, did you read your Bible? It's more than that. It's survival. Did you calibrate the wrench? Because this is important. Amen. Guidance. We will always need God's guidance. I just read a story about a Catholic priest. He's, he's, um, he's big in promoting the homosexual agenda. And he writes, he's, he's just seen the Pope, or he's going to see the Pope, you know, and he's going to talk to him about this. Because what he said was, is the Bible's wrong about homosexuality. He's made that decision. And what he says is, is that, he says, um, I understand the Bible condemns it. He said, oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Bible says, you, you know, you, you can't make it to heaven if you're a homosexual. Yeah, homosexual. He says, I understand what the scriptures say. He said, it just happens they're wrong. God just happens to be wrong. And, and what he bases it on, he says, go to the New Testament. He says, the New Testament does not condemn slavery. And we all know that's wrong. So therefore, he's wrong over here. Well, then he's wrong just about anywhere when you go on that criteria. And that's a whole different kettle of fish, amen. The word of God is truth. It's meant to calibrate us, to keep us within the limits that we need to be. Let's look secondly at the thought of our text, and that is to be thoroughly equipped. 
Phil Calloway writes a book called Family Squeeze. He said, the first three years of my marriage were miserable until I got a divorce. A divorce from loving myself and seeking my own way. He said, after reading Galatians 2.20, a great insight struck him. If I am dead and Christ lives in me, can my wife see him there? And he goes on to add, he says, if you want a miserable marriage, don't read the Bible. Because of the insight Phil knows, he says, finding the right person I have since discovered is less important than being the right person. The happiest married people I know discover early on that the better comes after the worse. And so here is a man, a man who is reading the Bible one day, obviously going through some marital problems. Thank God for it. He's got the Bible and he goes, you know what? I've read this. And it's like he had a crisis of conscience. I don't know how it all worked. But he saw this and he realized, you know what? The person that needs to change here is going to be me. Now, I realize you can get plenty of marriage books and all these kind of things and read this. But this is powerful. Because you know what? People read marriage books all the time and get divorced. There's something about reading this thing. And God placing something in you, amen, something in your spirit that all of a sudden it comes alive. There's something powerful about revelation. You say, that's not a heavy revelation. Like I said, you can get a million marriage books and figure that one out. I know, but I'll tell you what, there's something about God's word that, that goes further than just man writing about it. He read that and he says, it's me. And immediately he starts calibrating his life around that one scripture. And, and now he's writing books on marriage. He's a speaking on marriage and all that. Whether that gives him, you know, the credibility or not, I don't know. But the point is, is that here's a man. He has one revelation on one verse of scripture. He's equipped. Three years of marriage. He's read that scripture before. I'm sure he has. Three years of marriage and he's still a lousy husband. Got a miserable marriage. And all of a sudden, one day, he just happens to read Galatians 2.20. And all of a sudden, he goes, and it all falls into place for him. Now, personally, I wouldn't have read that scripture and think, thinking that would be a marriage scripture, would you? Isn't that amazing what God can do? <laughs> it's not even a, not quote a marriage scripture. Well, obviously it is, because he's writing books on it. Thoroughly equipped. To be thoroughly equipped in this text, it occurs over time. I remember as a new convert, I think I was saved about a week. Uh, the church that I got saved in, they moved around a bit because they didn't have a building, and I didn't know where they went. So I ended up at the rec center, just sitting in the parking lot. I said, all right, well, I can't go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. Good new convert, huh? So where did I go? Revelations. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I haven't even read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John yet, and I'm looking, reading Revelations going, what in the world did I get myself into here? Listen, that's not even a point, but God equips us over time. It's kind of like a man who starts out a hobby. We all start our hobbies real basic, don't we? If you're going to be a hunting or you're going to be fishing or something like that, you know what I'm saying? You, you, might, uh, you, might, you start out very small, usually, woodworking. 
But as time goes on, you build up to the latest and the greatest. You know, your passion starts to grow. And as your passion starts to grow, you, you, you buy this and you buy that. It's like the fisherman, you know what I'm saying? He starts out with just a little bit of a tackle, maybe even in a bag with a cheap old Zebco rod and reel. <laughs> they come together, you know. <laughs> Even with a few hooks, it's like, all right, I'm going to be a fisherman. But as time goes on, he, he gets into it, and he gets more involved, and he's buying bigger rods and better reels and more tackle, and it just becomes an obsession, you know what I'm saying? And, but he's into it, and, and he starts to equip himself. And then before you know it, he's got a boat, little boat, but he's got a boat just to sink, can't afford anything else. And so he gets this little boat, and he's out there, and he's fishing, and it's wonderful, but as time goes on, he goes from the little boat with the two oars to the little bigger boat with the motor. I don't know too much about fishing, but I know as time goes on, there's all kinds of sophisticated equipment that people can get. Depth finder, fish finder. How fair is that? Fish finder. <laughs> oh, they're right here. <laughs> you know. Um, but anyways, they got all this sophisticated equipment now to fish. You ever talk to people that do, oh my goodness, it's like, I got this and I got that and I got this and I got this. Like, oh my gosh, whatever happens is just me, you know, I don't know. But that's what happens. It went from just buying that cheap Zebco rod and reel with a few hooks going with it to full-blown fishing gear. He's equipped himself over time, Amen. And the contrast from a simple boat that he starts with to a decked out boat with the bells and whistles. This is what Paul is talking about in our text when he talks about thoroughly equipped. Amen. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's actually when, it, when you find that Greek word thoroughly equipped and you put it into Greek literature or classic Greek. It's actually a picture of a ship that has been previously ill-equipped, right, for their task and for travel, but now the owner decks it out with new stuff, and now this ship can travel anywhere. It is now fully equipped. So the idea this morning, amen, is that when Jesus, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's like, when he comes to our lives, he's like that, that first boat, amen. But as we give ourselves to the word of God, the word starts to equip us more and more. Before you know it, when we first get saved, we, we're lucky if we can make a journey across the lake. But as you give yourself to the word of God and your life starts growing in Jesus, as you give yourself to reading your Bible, it starts to equip you more and more. Now I can go further. Now I can, before you know it, you get to a place where it's like, you know what, I can make the whole journey. I don't care what life throws at me. My ship can survive any storm. It can survive any battle. Why? Because you're thoroughly equipped. You wouldn't dare take your rowboat across the ocean unless you're leaving Cuba or something like that. But you wouldn't dare do that, would you? But then you, what you do is as time goes on, you equip that baby to where I can travel anywhere. That's what God's word is doing. But you might not totally understand it. You might not totally pick up all the pieces. But it doesn't matter because God's setting the pieces where they need to be. And he helps us. He puts things in us, amen, that you don't even maybe consciously know we're there. But you face battles. You face difficult situations. And God reaches in and he pulls it out. Amen. Makes it real that very moment. That's the word of God. 
Well, I don't know why I got to read my Bible every day. Because you ain't going to be on that lake forever, Sonny boy. One of these days you're going to find yourself crossing the bigger ponds. You're going to need all the equipping you can get. That is the nature of the Word of God. If you're going to get to your destination, you need all the gear that you can get. Because when a believer does not read, does not meditate on the Word of God, doesn't regularly renew his mind with the Word of God, he's like a simple boat. He's like a simple boat, amen, who's not equipped for long-distance travel. Like I said, you might make it across the lake, but to be victorious and get across the sea of life, if you will, and all the storms that you're going to encounter, you're going to need some major equipment. That's a good reason right there to just stop every head bowed, every eye closed, because I tell you what, the Word of God will equip you. Why will the Word of God equip you? Because you need to be equipped because God knows down the road there's bigger ponds, bigger waters, bigger storms, bigger things coming, amen. God says you need to get the word in you, amen. This equipment is imparted to us when the word becomes that integral part of our lives, if you will. God's word goes to work in our minds, our hearts. It outfits us, amen. It decks us out. It equips us with spiritual gear to go on any adventure we would ever go on, to do anything. I can do all things through Christ Jesus, amen, with the right gear, folks, with the equipment, amen. God's word is an equipping, amen. That's exactly what our text is talking about. God's word is fitted in place, amen, and we can go anywhere the Holy Spirit takes us. See, it leaves us with a choice. Because if we choose not to make God's word a priority in our lives, it's like the small boat that's very limited in how far it can go. It brings a limitation to your life. I tell you what, the Christian world is filled with stunted saints going nowhere. And I'm not saying that just not reading their Bibles is the whole issue, but I'll bet you it's one of the issues. I'll bet you it's one of the issues. It's just something about reading the word that moves you, drives you. It's alive. It's living. It's not dead. It's not just dead literature like reading a poem over and over. I just love this poem. Okay, big deal. Word of God's alive. It's active. Inspires you. Moves you. Convicts you. Makes you cry. Makes you laugh. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel real bad. Because it's alive, amen. Not only that, but when you make the choice not to make God's word a priority, you'll become frustrated. You ever been a frustrated fisherman? On the, co- on the shore? Guy out there in the boat, he's catching fish left, right, and center. You can't even get your... You can't even get your stupid bobber out there far enough to get a fish. Man, I ain't fishing no more. Look at that guy. He's catching fish. What we need is a boat. You're right. <laughs> Amen. You lose the victory real fast, don't you? 
Why do I lose the victory so fast? Well, maybe let's go back to what kind of equipment you got here. It's what the Word of God is all about. Amen. The reason why you're getting frustrated, the reason why you're uh, losing the victory, the reason why you want to quit fishing is because you're not been equipped. But you know, if you choose God's Word, apply it to your wife, I tell you what, it has the power to transform to equip us to make the long journey that the Spirit of God has planned for us. The question is, how far do you want to go? How far do you want to go? Because without the Word of God, you're going to limit yourself. I'm not talking Bible knowledge. I'm not talking about memorizing Scripture, although it has its place. I understand that. But I'm not talking about knowing everything that the Bible has to say, knowing all the different nuances. Well, I know what that Scripture means. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you and I giving ourselves to the Word of God. I don't want to get any further than that. Just simply giving yourself to the Word of God beyond studying, beyond all those kind of things. I'm just talking about getting the Word of God in you because the Word of God is so the man of God can be thoroughly equipped. How far do you want to go? How far do you want to go in life? Amen. Do you want to just... You want just enough God to get you across the lake? Or do you want to go where the Holy Ghost desires to take you? Amen. If you'll get into the Word of God, let God equip you for the long haul. I'll tell you what, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. And it'll definitely change your walk with God. In fact, in some cases, it might give you a walk with God. Because right now, you ain't going nowhere. Let's look lastly at the thought of let it dwell in you. And I do kind of step out of my scripture here a little bit. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell is a picture of someone who dwells in a home. And, um, you know, nothing better sometimes than to be at home. Good going out, I understand. But, you know, it's nice sometimes just to get home. I love sometimes just going home. We can spend whatever out and all the things that are going on. Sometimes it's just so nice to go home. Amen. It's a place of residency. Amen. I feel right at home. Nothing quite like it. That's the saying, right? I feel like I'm at home. Because that's the nature of home. Amen. The Word word of God should dwell in us. It should make its home in us. It should be in us, amen, just like we feel in our houses, amen. The Word of God should dwell in us, make a permanent residency. It should feel at home, amen, in us. It shouldn't be something awkward. Not like it's not welcomed, amen. You ever been in anybody's house? I can't even really think of any illustrations in my head. Um, The only one I can think of is when I was a little kid, but... Maybe a little different nuance. But you ever been in somebody's house and you don't feel welcomed? I mean, I remember I used to go to my one friend's house and we never saw his mom. It was like the, it was like the, the, the Peanuts cartoons, you know what I mean? You just heard the voice, but you never saw her. She was really wild. She was like, ah. And she, I'd seen her a couple of times. She was pretty scary. But uh, <laughs> you would walk in the garage, Donald! That's the, that's the kid I was hanging out with. Go out and play! It's like, it's like <laughs> you walk out. It's like, it's like, man, I don't want to go in your house ever again, dude. The dad was just the opposite. He'd be out playing with us, 
ice skating in the wintertime and all this kind of stuff. But she was just the polar opposite, man. I don't know what, what that was all about. You know how it is when you're a kid. You don't know. You just remember those things, you know. You're in there and all of a sudden, ah! she'd scream. It's like, oh, your mother's home. Let's get out. We can't be here. We go, dude. We just go. We wouldn't even come back to the house the rest of the day and be like, we don't want to go back to your house, okay? You just didn't feel at home there, amen. Listen, the word of God needs to feel at home in our lives, amen. It needs to be welcomed in our lives. Paul says that the word of God needs to feel right at home in your heart, right at home in your life, amen. Let it dwell in you. Let it take it up residency in your life, in your mind, in your heart. Thing is, is this how you feel about the word of God? Listen, you're not going to get excited about the word of God this morning. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I am convinced, I am convinced, and this is me, it's not until you read it. It has no draw. This book is almost like you look at, I remember, I remember being a sinner. Honestly, as a sinner, where does the silence? I know. I would grab, I took my Bible everywhere I went, the one that they gave me at the Baptist church, and I would open up that Bible and I would just go, and I would sit there sometimes for like 20 minutes going, drinking my beer, of course, you know, I wasn't saved. I don't know where to start. Just totally lost. But at the same time, something in me was like, there's something in this thing. I don't know what it is. And I'd go through it. And I'd always end up in Proverbs. If you look at my Bible, I still have it. You'll see little flare, the red flare. <laughs> I destroyed that thing. But anyways, it'd be all over the place. I'd be reading all these things about probably telling me about how stupid I am. You know, <laughs> you know the fool. I'm thinking, yeah, that's me. I'll highlight that one. <laughs> we got that one down. <laughs> Where's the answers in this book? Look in the back. Are there any answers to this idiot's life? <laughs> I had that down. I knew that. <laughs> I just didn't know what the answer was, man. And I'd end up just putting it back in my duffel bag or wherever I was at and just go, oh. I'll tell you, though, when I got saved and I picked up the Bible, I couldn't put it down. And that, to me, to this day, strikes me as so odd. So odd, amen, because you don't have a hunger for it until you open it and start reading it. It's life. That's what I'm talking about. It's life. It's alive. Don't start in Song of Solomon. <laughs> don't start in Leviticus. Start in John. I mean, if you're the best two of overwhelming, start in Jude. I don't know. Do Timothy. I don't. Make it light on yourself, okay? <laughs> like I said, I read Revelation. It's like, woo! <laughs> I don't got a clue. I'm thinking, my goodness, I am too stupid to figure this out. If everything everybody's saying is in this book, you know, well, it's not, you know what I'm saying? But at the time, I was just like freaked out. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just read Revelation. I ain't got a clue what he's talking about. Not even, even a clue. Get the word in you. Amen. Welcome it in your heart. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to make it a priority. You've got to do this. This is a choice you have to make. I'll tell you what, when you start getting into it, it'll be hard to get out of it. And you might not see it all the time, but I'll tell you what, it's equipping you. Amen. It's decking you out little by little. It's putting things in you that only God knows in, in the long run. Amen. And when we face the storms and things of life, 
God's placed something in you already there. Like the time when I was going to quit Christianity and immediately the word of God said to me, where are we, where are you, where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. I, I refer to that so many times. That was, that was my saving grace. That's the only reason why I'm here. That's the only reason why I stand here tonight. I was done. I was so fed up with the wars, so fed up with my life, living for God about six months. I'm crying, a grown man. I'm bawling my eyes out. I closed my Bible. I said, I'm over. It's done. Where am I going to go? You have the words. That was the Holy Ghost. He took this book and he saved me. I didn't have much going on, I'll tell you what, but I did have that going on. Somewhere along the line, he put that in there. I had to go looking for it. He equipped me. He saw the storm in July, maybe if that was the month, June or July. He saw that storm down the road. And as I gave myself to the word of God, he started putting things in. Words, I didn't know that. I would have never known that in a million years. It's only hindsight looking back. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. Amen. You know, it's amazing as I close the amount of literature out there. When I was in England, I would read a lot of the old preachers and different things, Scottish preachers, English preachers. And uh, back then, they used to put their sermons in the newspaper. Can you imagine that? You know, you get the regular Daily Mail or whatever it was, newspaper back in that day. And every newspaper would have a, you know, G.H. Morrison or uh, Jowett sermon in it. Spurgeon sermons were even in it way back later on in the 1800s. You know, people, I know they had literature. They did have some commentaries and things. But they really had a hunger for the word of God. Amen. I mean, for a newspaper to put this in there, you know what it means. It means if we put this in there, we'll sell more newspapers. They don't put it in there because they're so spiritual. They put it in there because they sell more newspapers. And people were hungry for the word of God. And then I look today, man, we have so much Christian literature today. It's mind-boggling. You just look at what I have on my shelves. I got so many books, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. And yet we have people that don't even read their Bibles. Don't even read their Bibles. Man, folks, we got so much out there. Computers, if you're not into books, it's on computers Get yourself a reading plan. There's a thousand of them out there. Just get something that you start with that will systematically get the word in you. Amen. I believe as time goes on, it will lead to more gear and other things. But for right now, get the word of God in you. As a Christian, it's our book. It's the only book. Amen. It's the number one book. Still the number one bestseller. I think they, they, they spent, I think the last statistic, it was $1.7 billion a year gets spent on Bibles. Don't, don't let the world kid you, okay? Don't let, you know, Catholic priests tell you this is not true and that's not. Listen, <laughs> I don't care what the world says. The book's still a number one seller, still selling billions of dollars worth because it's got answers, man. It's got answers. It's God's word to your life. And you and I ought to know that better than anyone else. Get this word in you. Amen. Let it equip you. Let it inspire you. Let it help you. And let it bless you most of all. Amen. Let's bow our heads this evening.